0: Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast. You might be uh, not used to hearing my voice. I'm Caroline Gonzalez. We're changing things up a little bit this year. Uh, We're splitting up the podcast this year. It will be one New Orleans Saints podcast strictly devoted to the New Orleans Saints and then a New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Uh, Again, as I said, I'm Caroline Gonzalez. I'll be joined by John DeShazer. He will be my co-host for the Saints podcast. Um, And then Todd Graffinini, the new play-by-play for the New Orleans Pelicans, will be be joined by Daniel Salerson, the studio host and producer for the New Orleans Pelicans podcast, uh, but they of course joined us here today as we kick things off. The day is finally here. New Orleans Saints training camp football has finally arrived, guys. I don't know about you, but I was like a little schoolgirl last night. I didn't just lay out my clothes for today; I laid out my clothes for the entire week. So I'm a little bit OCD. I'm afraid I'm okay with mentioning that, but it's fine. You're probably the only one in this room that did that. <laughs> that will make you sure. a
1: party of one.
0: Well, I'm excited. So even if you guys aren't, I'm excited. Uh, we have an exciting training camp for everyone this year. Uh, I think one of the coolest things about uh, the fan experience this year is that there will be tents and misters and fans. Uh, The field looks great. I know everyone's been out there. What was your first initial thought when you guys saw it?
1: I don't know if I've seen that kind of setup at another training camp. I hadn't been around a lot of training camps, uh, but I don't know that I've seen that for the fans. I thought it was a real blowout for them, uh, a victory for the fans, so to speak. Now, let's, let's hope these Saints fans don't get soft because they're sitting around the mist all the time. And uh, let's hope that we, I don't get hot because I'll go and sit with them. But but I do think in terms of setup, I can't imagine any setup anywhere in the league uh, would be better. Now, we'll get a chance to go and see the Chargers in Carson, uh, in Carson, California. And the weather there is magnificent. So they don't need a mister, and yet – Again, I can't think of a better setup than the Saints fans have.
2: Well, dare I say it, it it's not even humid out there today. I don't think they could have drawn up a better day. I don't think they could have drawn, up a, <laughs> see, could have drawn just, up a better day. just messed it yeah, up. He, he messed
1: see, it up. that's a rookie mistake. Look, I'm as, I'm
2: as superstitious as anybody, but I did not sweat walking uh, from the parking lot into the facility today. So uh, they couldn't have drawn up a better day. It, it, the field is gorgeous, the setup is gorgeous. And let's get started.
0: Todd, uh, you know, people know Daniel, or know J.D., know Daniel, uh, because they've heard them on the podcast before, but people might not have necessarily heard your voice unless they're a super fan of Tulane Athletics, um, so why don't you take a second, you know, we'll do it more on the Pelican side, but introduce yourself to these Saints fans. Well,
2: my name is Todd Graffinini, and I have been a part of the local scene basically since 1992. I started calling Tulane baseball games in 92, got the full-time baseball gig in 94, and started calling Tulane football, men's basketball in 2007. So uh, I'm born and raised New Orleanian, went to Jesuit High School, graduated from Loyola, and basically now I'm living the dream as, uh, as a part of the New Orleans Saints and New Orleans Pelicans, and uh, I could not be happier to be here.
0: Well, are you living your dream or my dream? Because this is my dream, so don't infiltrate on my dream. I mean, we can't have the same dream here.
2: I mean, I'm watching Saints <laughs> practice and, and – and, and they're paying me to do it so exactly what what more can you ask for don't say that out loud graph <laughs> don't say that out loud going to pay you <laughs> un- <laughs>
0: Well guys, let's go ahead and get started. Um, First things first, I think the big storyline going into today's camp is of course Michael Thomas. Uh, We heard from Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton yesterday talk about it a little bit. They said they are close to negotiating uh, the contract. So hopefully we will see Michael Thomas soon. There's no telling though. Um, What are your guys thoughts? I mean, obviously, uh, again, Sean Payton said they're close, but do you think we'll see Michael Thomas's training camp?
1: I think we will. I mean, look, we know when he comes in he's going to be in shape because he's a workaholic. He doesn't need uh, extra reps in the offense. He knows the offense. So it's probably just a matter of structuring the deal, whether that be guaranteed money, uh, whether that be average salary. But from all reports and everything you've heard, they were fairly close entering training camp. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine it would be much longer. Michael Thomas, uh, Mickey Loomis said it yesterday, Michael Thomas, if he had his preference, he'd probably be here because, again, he's a guy who loves the work. So I don't think it'll be an adverse thing for, for the team. I think he'll be in pretty soon.
2: I uh, I got the sense just listening to uh, Coach Payton and, and Mickey Loomis yesterday that there was no panic. Uh, I, they didn't seem to be really bothered by it. As a matter of fact, Mickey Loomis kind of mentioned he almost expected it. Yeah. So, it, you know, and and these things happen when you've got a guy like Thomas, who's obviously one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Um, these things kind of take care of themselves. Again, no panic. You just don't want it to linger yeah. in long in the camp where it's going to become a distraction.
1: Yeah, and, and from a team perspective, obviously you – you I don't want to say it this way, but you want to pay as little as you can, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what the team right. wants to do. And from Michael Thomas's perspective, he has to protect himself. If he comes in and, God forbid, knock wood, uh, tears an ACL or something during that first week while he's negotiating. Right now, his bargaining power bottoms out. Yeah, he has. So leverage. he's got to protect himself. Mm-hmm. Now you know he's technically under contract. He's got his rookie contract. So. He will be fined accordingly, and all those things go away once they sign the deal, anyway. Right. But he's got to protect himself from that standpoint. So I think you know, I think we can all understand it from both sides.
0: Do you think it'll be kind of a waiting game? We know uh, the wide receiver with the Falcons, Julio Jones, is waiting to sign his contract too. Do you think it's kind of like?
1: I don't think so. I don't think they're waiting on each other okay. to try to one up each other because they're going to be within, you know, we, they're going to be within dollars of each other. You know, now whether that's a million dollars, you know, to us that's a whole lot of money, but to them. It's a small amount of money because when you're talking about, say, $20 million a year as to 20.1. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's significant, and yet it's not that significant. So both of those guys are probably looking for a big deal. I don't think either one of them cares who comes in first.
0: I think another thing you have to look at when you talk about this Michael Thomas deal is Drew Brees. I mean, we don't want to jinx it or anything, but his window is closing. He's not going to play forever. Um, and you, I, I think everyone knows that the time is now for the Saints. I mean, you had the Minnesota Miracle. You had last year's no call. And I think the time is now for the Saints. And I think uh, the chemistry between Drew and Michael is something that you, you would come to expect?
1: Well, we say the time is now, and I understand the urgency because Drew is getting older, and, and but, but I think the window for this team could be for another two, three years because hmm. the defense is so much better. Right. And so now the offense doesn't have to score 28, doesn't have to score 31, doesn't have to win a shootout. If you can win your share of 24 to 21 games, mm-hmm. 23 to 20 games – and i think this defense has that capability. They had a 6 game stretch last year where they gave up i think like 12.3 points a game, a 6 game stretch. They believe they can do that for a 12 game set or for a 15 game period. And if they can do that, you don't have to be the you don't have to be the the, the, the bears. You don't have to be that defense. Right. You just got to be very you got to be adequate with this team with this offense. Get some takeaways and even if you can't get the takeaways, get some three and outs. Get off the field. Mm-hmm. That's the main thing. Right. Hold the opponent to field goals. And you put this team, you will put this offense in position to win games. So I think the window for this team could be for another two, three years, whether Drew's that quarterback or not, because the next quarterback, whether that be Teddy Bridgewater or someone else, I don't think he'll have to be Captain save saint right. I think he'll just have to be a guy who doesn't lose games.
0: Right. Staying on the defensive end, I know it's something that you addressed in your article yesterday, but finding a, a, a cornerback behind Marshawn Lattimore, behind uh, Eli Apple. I mean, we, we got Eli Apple at the end of last year. Marshawn, of course, was great in his rookie year. Um, I don't want to say fell off a little bit last year. but oh, guys He, he
1: admitted he fell off. Okay. He fell off early. Okay. He fell off early, and he came on strong late, but he fell off early. Look, Mike Evans, and, and I, think, I think that Marshawn would admit this, in game one last year, Mike Evans took his lunch money. Right and and ate his lunch in front of him. So he got better as the season went, though. He came back to the guy who, you know, was the defensive rookie of the year, I think, toward the end of the year. But he started off a little bit rocky.
0: So what, what, if you're the Saints, what do you do to address that, that backup cornerback position? I mean, we have Ken Crawley. You have um, guys like P.J. Williams who had to step up in, in Patrick Robinson's absence last year. So what do you do if you're the Saints to kind of focus on this, this secondary battle, this, this training well, camp? Well,
1: P.J.'s capable of playing outside, but he's a slot. Mm. Uh, and so Patrick is a slot. So you got two really good slot guys in like P. Rob and, and P.J. Uh, you got your outside guys. Uh, really, it's going to be a battle royal outside. Uh, Ken Crawley was, a, I thought, a really good player two years ago. Mm-hmm. And then last year, I don't know if his confidence dipped. I don't know what happened, but it kind of bottomed out for him. But here's the thing with training camp. You find out what you've got in camp, and if you don't like what you've got in camp, there are 29 other teams with a bunch of players out there. So the Saints – have scouted and are looking at all of those guys because if you need to find an upgrade who might happen to be on somebody else's roster right now and that guy gets released because everybody's got to cut down to 53 at some point in time, right. then they will pick up another guy and bring him in immediately and have him come in and play because you know the NFL is structured now. You better have some corners. They don't have to be the greatest corners in the world because I think the Saints should be pretty solid in the front seven. But you have to have some guys who are going to be able to cover. And Marshawn Lattimore, we know Marshawn can cover. I think Eli played better as the season went. But mm-hmm. well, once one of those guys either gets injured or you've got to have in another guy because, again, you're set at your nickel, but you're going to have to have another corner. You can't have that big a dip. Maybe, maybe, not Wood, <laughs> Justin Hardy can be the guy. Mm-hmm. Justin Hardy's been around here competing, trying to be another cornerback for the last We saw him a little bit last year, a little bit. Yeah, more of a special teams <laughs> right. guy. but. Can they round him in the corner because he played receiver in college and he's kind of learning still on the fly. Can he become that guy? I don't know if he can. I don't know if Ken Crawley is going to be the guy from two years ago or if he's going to be the guy from last year. If he's the guy who's in the middle of those guys, that's serviceable. But you've got to have another corner.
0: Well, we heard Sean Payton say yesterday, competition will bring out the best individual. And that's not just at that position. That is at all positions. We, you look at the center. That is something that the Saints wanted to address this year. Of course, Max Unger retired this offseason. Um, they, they drafted Eric McCoy in the second round this year from A&M. Um, they expect him to play a significant amount of snaps, but they also brought in Nick Easton in free agency from the Minnesota Vikings. So is that another – area that you are specifically focused on if you're the saints this year
1: yeah i mean you got to look at those individual things and and i'm gonna pass to daniel here i <laughs> i say this but, but max, <laughs> gotta, gotta Un- gotta max unger was the glue to that offensive right. line as most centers are right so now you're talking about finding another guy who is going to have that cohesion with drew with drew Brees. now drew can call out you know you know. Um, protections himself mm-hmm. but you need a center who can kind of take charge of the line is that going to be eric mccord because he's going to be the youngest guy there he's going to be a rookie but this is the veteran line so he has that benefit evangelist pete on his left and larry warford on his right and brian Ramcheck out at right tackle and teron armstead at left tackle he has guys on that line who can diagnose things that he won't have to right so he's got that benefit and, and that goes for him or nick easton cameron thomas the guy who's been around the most So he's had the most work with those guys. But he's played mostly guard when he's been able to get in the NFL games. So, again, that's going to be a real interesting competition. It's going to be interesting to see how Eric McCoy handles it, Daniel, because, you know, this ain't Texas A&M. Now, don't don't get me wrong. He was was really good at Texas A&M. But this is the big boys here. And when you go up against the big boys, it's a totally different tempo. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys are a stronger. This, there This ain't no freshman nose tackle from, you know, <laughs> old Miss that you're going to be going up against. This These are grown men who are trying to provide for their families. So it's going to be a whole different thing. And you're giving the ball to one of the smartest quarterbacks in the league too. So, I mean, the learning curve is not only just, you know, the bigger – players that you have it's the protection like you mentioned it's learning the playbook learning the reads and things like that and that's where it's going to be a little bit of a challenge for Drew Brees because like you mentioned you're going from an all-pro center in Max Unger to someone in Nick Easton who the good thing about him is he's so versatile he can play the right guard or he can play the left guard so you know we've seen it a couple times where injuries happen and you can throw Nick Easton somewhere else and that's where maybe Eric McCoy comes in that center so I think it's going to be important in not only these preseason games but in these training camps for those next two weeks of both of them getting snaps under center just to make sure that if there are injuries happen, you can slot Nick Easton over to the right or the left, and then Eric McCoy can come in. So I think the center position is probably one of the biggest competitions just because how important that position is under Drew Brees. And and, and to back that up, we'll find out more about the line guys when the pads come on. Mm. Because out when they're doing, you know, when it's non, non-pads, when it's shells and helmets, those guys in the trenches are the ones that are most difficult to evaluate. We know Cam Jordan. We know what he can do. We know most of those offensive linemen. We know what they can do. But these guys need to get in that hand-to-hand combat. We know Marcus Davenport's got some tools, Mm -hmm. but now Marcus Davenport healthy in camp gets to go against, hopefully, Teron Armstead for an entire camp. Now Teron's going to have pitch count, but when he's out there, he is really good. So Marcus Davenport is going to have to raise his game, and that'll make Marcus Davenport better. You know, get beat up by Teron Armstead a little bit, and now you'll know how to deal with the elite tackles in the league. So I think that will help, but you got to see those guys in pads when you're talking about, you know, the offensive and defensive line. The skill guys, you know, as, as we had succinctly, heard succinctly from Zach Streif last year, uh, that, those are birds fighting. <laughs> so, but, but, but you can get a good feel for what those guys can do in their shells and helmets because coverage is coverage. Right. But those guys in the trenches, you got to see them get out there and really, like, get the hand-to-hand combat to get a feel for what they can do.
0: J.D., when do you think we'll see the guys in pads?
1: Uh, I can't remember when the first pad at practice is. I know it's a couple of days in, so we'll get a chance to see them pretty early in camp. It'll be within the first week of camp when they get out there and get in the pads. And, again, it's not full contact like the old days, man. This I have to remind myself every year, this ain't Jackson, Mississippi training camp where those guys were basically like MMA fighting all day, every day, it seemed, <laughs> for two practices. I mean, they went at it because it was Sean Payton's first year, He had to find out what he had. So he had to weed guys out, and then it was the most oppressive heat that I have ever been in in my entire (laughs) life. I swear to God, Jackson, Mississippi was the hottest place on earth uh, that summer. So you don't have those kinds of practices anymore. So you have to work smart, and you have to not get guys injured because that's huge in training camp. You don't want to get guys hurt while you're doing it, and yet you still have to be able to evaluate them. So we'll see how it goes.
0: You have to talk about this backup quarterback position in Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill. Of course, we know Taysom Hill's position is football. He doesn't really have a set position. Sean Payton enjoys finding new ways to use Taysom Hill. But I think we saw a lot last year uh, he set up Todd at that quarterback position, but then he was running it pretty much every time. He still needs to be a threat at the quarterback's position, correct? Yeah,
2: defenses started to kind of catch on uh, as the year went on. Early in the season when Hill was running the RPO, he's going to take off, and he was getting those huge, huge gains. Right. But as the year went on, the defenses pretty much knew he wasn't going to throw the ball. Now, it's kind of ironic that the maybe one of the best passes thrown all year long was in the Philly game, the touchdown that was called back in the playoffs, uh, and Taysom Hill threw that pass. It was, it was a gorgeous, gorgeous pass, but it didn't count. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe that he's going to have to be more of a passing threat when he gets under center, when the regular season starts. Because you think about it, when Hill was under center, Drew Brees was out wide, and Brees was basically sitting there. He wasn't moving. So it was 11 on 10. Um, there's got to be a threat of him throwing the football for, I think, for, for it to start working again. Um, but I, I want to see what Teddy Bridgewater can do as yeah. well. Uh, a lot of reps in camp. We, we heard yesterday from Sean Payton that, you know, they're going to limit Breeze as far as, you know, his pitch count during camp. And uh, it's it's an opportunity for Bridgewater to get a lot of live reps, not only in camp but in the preseason.
0: Do you guys think we need to see more out of Ted, Teddy Bridgewater in order for you to feel confident with him taking over the reins? Or have you seen enough already to feel confident in if something, God forbid, knock on wood, happens, uh, he can be the Saints starting
1: quarterback? Well, from what we've seen, I'm okay with, but better than that is what we've heard from his teammates from when he was running the scout team. They were really impressed with what some of the things that he did against the number one defense. Uh, He is a guy who, from what his teammates say, can really find the tight windows. He can can throw it, and he's got some mobility. We know he had that really devastating knee injury a couple years ago, but he looks like he's getting his mobility back. Uh, he's a guy who is infectious as a leader. I think they gravitate toward him. And so I think he's, I think he's ready to really step into a starting position in the NFL again. Um, he came back to the Saints for a specific reason. He likes the organization. He loves his teammates. He loves the locker room. But more than that, he feels like when he gets his chance, if he gets his chance and is with this team, he feels like this team's got the goods to be good for several years. And he would plug in. Think about Teddy Bridgewater would come in. He's been a previous starting in the NFL. He'll have a good year, year and a half with the Saints to have acclimated to this offense. So you put in a young Teddy Bridgewater with a young Michael Thomas when he comes in, with a young Alvin Kamara, with a young Ryan Ramchick, uh with a young uh, Eric McCoy, with a young Andrus Pete, Peet, uh, with a fairly young, uh, or still in his prime, Larry Warford, uh, with uh, other young receivers, uh, Keith Kirkwood. Um So you're talking about putting him in an offense where he would really fit age-wise and hopefully skill-wise to be good for a long time. And look, the Saints wanted him back for a big reason. They feel like if it comes to it, he's the guy who might be able to bridge the gap and take him on into the future again. He won't have to be Superman for this team with the defense, the way they're growing it. But he's a guy who looks like he's got the good. So, Again, we'll see a lot of it in training camp because he should get a a decent amount of reps with the ones.
0: I know everyone has said it a million times, but it is truly invaluable. I mean, you're learning – behind Drew Brees and that's someone who is going to give you the time and attention in the quarterback room where you can learn from him you feel comfortable asking him questions so I think that's very uh, you know important for Teddy Bridgewater let's talk about this receiver receiver battle of course we've talked about Michael Thomas we don't know when we'll see him uh, you have Ted Ginn you have Keith Kirkwood you have all these guys who um, I don't want to say have something to prove because Ted Ginn you know of course we know what he's capable of but he is coming off of an injury last year we saw him a little bit in playoffs but you also have Jared Cook I mean that's a guy who is coming off of his best season yet last year and I think the Saints are really excited to have him and I know Sean Payton I'm sure is excited to see what he can do with him in his playbook.
1: Yeah, I would say Jared Cook right now is the second most accomplished receiver on this team wow. and I think you know you hate to hate to say receiver receiver as in you know Kirk was got to step up or Ted Ginn Jr. has got to step up or Traquan Smith has got to step up because Jared Cook I think has all the qualities to be the second leading receiver on this team. And then Traquan Smith won't have to catch 60 passes for 900 yards right. because Jared Cook will give you a lot of that production. But that said, you want a number two receiver who can go out there and beat some people, who knows what he's doing on the field, uh, who can block down the field, and a guy who can t- take the top off. That's not Michael Thomas's deal. He doesn't, he doesn't run past DBs. He beats them up, but he doesn't run past them a whole lot. Ted Ginn still got some jets, so Ted can still run. Traquan Smith, we saw last year, can run some. Uh, Keith Kirkwood, I think, is more in the, maybe the Michael Thomas speed range where you know he's more of an um, intermediate guy. But you've got to have a guy who can run. Uh, and if those guys can't get it done, Jared Cook might be the dude who does it w- with those seam routes. If he's one-on-one with a linebacker or safety or even a corner, Drew Brees is going to throw it. He's going to throw it high. Jared Cook, 6'7". He's a grown man. He's going to tell him, go get it. Go 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 make me look good. And Jared <laughs> Cook is capable of making him look good.
2: Well, let's not forget, too, J.D., we talked about it on the CST show last night that I, I think the most significant thing that Sean Payton said yesterday was the fact that Cam Meredith passed his conditioning test. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, he caught that early touchdown in, in the season last year uh, against the Falcons and then he was never heard from again. Mm-hmm. If he can... Figure it out, stay healthy, and get in the mix. It, it's it was he had a redshirt year last year. He he just wasn't a factor. It's it's almost like you're you're signing another free agent who's already here. So uh, I'm really going to be interested to see how Cam Meredith uh, does on the field d- during camp because uh, again we just really don't know what he's capable of because. He wasn't out there.
0: As Sean Payton said yesterday, I mean, it's going to be an important camp for him. And I think him, or excuse me, Cameron Meredith is chomping at the bit. I mean, he has to be excited. He was with the bears. He had the knee injury. He came here. He was optimistic. He's under his, uh, old receivers coach and Curtis Johnson. And now, you know, you have to believe that he is trying to prove everything this camp and this season. Um, last but certainly not least guys, I want to talk about the, the returner battle. Uh, we signed Marcus Shirels in the off season. Um, um, and, you know, he came from the Minnesota Vikings. He, had, he did great with them. He was one of their leading punt returners. But you also have Deontay Harris from Assumption College. Uh, the Saints picked him up. Uh, very small school, but I think they're excited to see what he can bring to the Saints uh, return game. What do you think we're going to see out of those two?
1: Well, Sheryl's is the veteran. Um, Minnesota's all-time leader in return average, 10.4, which is fantastic. You'd love to see that. All-time leader, uh, franchise leader for Minnesota in, in punt returns to touchdowns, five. So he's a guy who's done it before. Um, can he do it in this, in this system? Let's see and let's hope so. Because Darren Rizzi, the new special teams coach, is a star maker. He was in Miami. <laughs> he had several guys make Pro Bowls as rookies. So he is a guy who understands special teams. Um, Deontay, it's going to be interesting to see how he fits in because, obviously, he's got the Jets. He can, he can move. And again, punt returns is one of those things where you can't gauge in a training camp practice because there's no contact. So it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of visualization and it's a lot of you know, fundamentals and, and those kinds of things. So we won't really get a good feel for it until they get into that first preseason game and those guys get some real live reps. We know Sheryl's can do it. Mm-hmm. We understand that. Can Deontay give him a challenge? And the Saints, look, they don't need, a, uh, they don't need a, a world beater. You know, they don't have to have, you know, a Deion Sanders return in punts or, or, or my guy uh, from the bed, uh, Devin Hester. They don't need that. But it's nice to have a guy who can flip the field every now and then. Mm-hmm. It's nice to have a guy who averages 9 to 11 yards of return. So, so the op- opponent has to think about him, has to, has to be concerned about him. And Sheryl's has been a guy that you have to be concerned about. He's got it documented. He's got skins on the wall. So hopefully it'll translate here with the Saints because you know Saints had not had a punt returner that I think they felt real good about since Darren Sproles. I think that was 2013. We're pushing what six, seven years since they've had a returner that they felt really, really good about. Now you could put Alvin Kamara back there, and Alvin can do it, but Alvin's so yeah, he's so valuable to the offense. Do you want to put him in another situation where it's a hazard? You probably do it in the playoffs because that's a different situation. Mm-hmm. Regular season, no need to do that when you've got a guy like Cheryl's who, who should, on paper, probably win this job. Mm-hmm. So w- we'll see. But, again, it's one of those things you can't tell because you don't, you don't get the live reps until you get into a preseason game. Now, that's why I'm really looking forward to the games in preseason. Practices are wonderful, but I'm looking forward to the games because some of these things are just difficult to gauge until you get to the games.
0: Well, a lot of will-sees, a lot of position battles. Definitely looking forward to training camp this year. Again, competition will bring out the best individual, as Sean Payton said. Well, guys, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Um, Looking forward to having this podcast. Again, it's the New Orleans Saints podcast. It will come out three days a week, probably Monday, Wednesday, Friday of each week. Um, Again, you can touch catch Todd and JD uh, on the CST show after practice. They'll have you all caught up. You can go to neworleansaints.com and follow at saints on social media um, to follow along with all of the saints podcasts or excuse me, the saints content. And you can also follow at saints podcasts on Twitter and Instagram uh, in order to follow this podcast. Uh, Last but certainly not least training camp dates are sold out uh, for a lot of dates, but there are some still available on neworleansaints.com Monday, July 29th, Tuesday, July 30th, Wednesday, August 7th, Monday, August 12th, and Thursday, August 22nd. Again, all of that information is available on neworleansaints.com, so make sure you go there and catch up with all your content and get your free training camp tickets. That'll do it for today's show. We'll catch up with you next week. Thanks for joining us.